This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Today we'll be reading from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 20. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out from the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say, you are my sister, so that I will be spared. I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, manservants and maidservants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said? Why did you tell me she was your wife? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I looked, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they, set, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us, that we may gather in person and in spirit to worship you. Lord, I thank you for this time that we can set aside um, to remember those who we've lost, um, who've passed on, Lord, and to, um, and to rejoice with those who've joined us. I pray that you'll be with those families, Lord, and that you would um, give them mercies and strength uh, through the time of remembrance and um, through new journeys in life. Lord, I thank you. Um, I also pray for those who are not able to be here with us. Lord, you know their needs, and I pray that you'll meet them this day. Um, I pray that you'll be with Pastor Paul, and I thank you for the message that you've bestowed upon him. I pray that you would, um, you would speak through him to us, Lord, and that we would be receptive to it. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Josh, for that. Uh, children, now is your time to make your way to uh, your program. If you're not unsure of where your children fit, just take a look at that half sheet that one of the ushers gave you when you came in. It has the birth years of uh, what children can go, all right? 
Well, we've uh, we ordered a little less blustery weather for this morning, so and it looks like we've got it. What a beautiful day! I hope you're all doing well, and uh, I'm excited today, this morning, because we get to start uh, back up in Genesis. If you remember last year, we we took a little trip through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Uh, this year, we're going to start with the life of Abraham at the end of chapter 11. Uh, what, what goes through your mind when you think of Abraham, Abraham in the Bible? What words kind of pop up? You know, if you were to do a word association, what, what word might come up? Uh, perhaps faith, perhaps promise, maybe father. Maybe a song pops into your head. Uh, perhaps just a, a, a story or two that you've, that you've read or heard about him. Or maybe you just don't know much about him at all. That's, that's okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to spend some time getting to know him. We'll spend 12 weeks getting to know Abraham, and more importantly, the God whom he uh, imperfectly followed. We'll also see how he points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we jump into his life, I want to do just a short recap of, of what brings us to this point in history. God had judged the world with a flood, and God showed grace to Noah and his family during that time by providing a way of salvation from the flood through the ark. The rebellion of mankind, however, continues after this, and people do not spread over all the earth, but instead they join together to make a name for, their, for themselves instead of remembering their creator. God judges them so they would scatter over the earth as he intended them to do. And this is where we pick up the story, which is about uh, 2,000 years before Christ uh, would come. Throughout this time, a godly line continued through the family of, of Shem. He was one of the three sons of Noah. And Abraham is from that line. He's from the line of Shem, the godly line. But this godly line is now worshiping idols. They've also forgotten about God. And so humanity is in jeopardy once again. We first meet Abraham at the end of chapter 11. So if you have a Bible or device, you can, you can turn there. Genesis 11, verse 27 is where it starts. His name is initially called Abram, which means exalted father. But his name would later be changed by God to Abraham, which means father of many or father of, mul of the multitude. I'm just going to refer to him as Abraham throughout just to make it easier. His family consists of his, his wife, Sarai, father Tara, and, and two brothers, uh, one, one of which dies, and a nephew named Lot. The name Sarai means princess. 
She would later be called Sarah, but it, it basically means the same thing. It's just a, sort of a different, uh, it's sort of like a dialect change. Her name was probably given to her because of her, her beauty. And, and we'll see that fact later on, or maybe you pick that up as, as Josh read the scripture this morning. But we're told right off the bat that Sarah was barren. She could have no children. And, and, and this, this is emphasized, like it's not enough that he said she's barren, but then it says she couldn't have any kids, All right? So, so i.e., this is important. It sets the stage of what's to come. Let me, let me read to you again that last part of a verse of chapter 11, verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Naor, and Haran and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram, took Nahor, Ab Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no children. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. That's a good life, 205 years, right? Especially when we think about today. I don't know, maybe they just went, they were just paleo, right? Maybe that was the, maybe that was the deal. But it was, it was Terah, Abraham's father, that, that took them out of the homeland of Ur to go to Canaan, right? It, it, it seems, Terah seems to be the initiator here in chapter 11. They end up settling in Haran. Both Ur and Haran were major metropolitan cities, all right, or centers, I guess we could say, during this time. There were really only three in the known world at this time that were, that were this large and influential. But why did Terah leave? Why did he leave Ur? Canaan was, was, was nothing special in the known world. Oh, or perhaps this was just, you know, the author Moses letting us know where he was going. Perhaps he didn't know where he was going. But if he did, this would be like sort of like moving from, from New York City to some obscure little town. Right? Podunk. Did his dad get a call from God, just like Abraham did? Or did, did Terah just have this pioneering spirit? He just wanted to go out. I mean, that, that wouldn't have been strange during this time. People often did traverse lands to, to go and settle in new lands. Perhaps it was Abraham, though, that convinced his dad to pack up and leave. Perhaps Abraham had a sense of what God was doing before God spoke to him. Or perhaps he spoke to him, and then he spoke to him again later. There's evidence in the Bible that suggests that God called Abraham out of Ur, not just Haran. 
But Terah never makes it to Canaan, which is known as the Promised Land. He dies in Haran, where they settled. They, they settled there. We don't know for how long, but it seems to be, my guess, it's quite significant. But they also settled in another sense, in that God was leading them somewhere else, yet they stopped. Right, if, if that was the case, Terah settled for something lesser, and so did his family. Perhaps, perhaps you've done that in your life. Perhaps you've settled on something that you knew God didn't want for you because you couldn't see anything better ahead from your perspective. We do that because, because we often have a small view of God's plan and, and a bigger view of ours. We think, we think God, that's, that's your view? That, that can't possibly be right. That doesn't seem right. But if what, you're, if what you're doing does not line up with what God is saying, then you're settling for something lesser. It, it may seem better at the time, but it's not. So don't be deceived, because it's easy to be deceived in this way. I know, I know by experience, and, and perhaps you do too. God then calls Abraham to leave Haran and go to a land he would show him. I think God definitely used this first move, if he hadn't told him before, he used this first move from Ur to Haran to prepare Abraham for this next move. God does that. We see it throughout the Bible. You know, the next you know, real big person that comes on the theme, major figure, is, is Moses. He did that with Moses. Moses had to live out in a desert, desert region in Egypt and shepherd sheep for 40 years to prepare him to shepherd God's people and lead them out of Egypt and through the wilderness. Perhaps you're wondering what God is preparing for you. Is he preparing you for something? Maybe you don't know. That's okay if you don't know. Most of the time we don't know what it is that he's preparing us for. But you can know that he's always preparing us for something, because he's always working in our lives, even when we don't realize it. Perhaps you're in a spot in your life where, where things seem uncertain, or things just seem like they're on pause, like the pause button's been hit. When, when you don't understand what's going on, you can trust that God is always preparing you for what is next, just like he did with Abraham. But God does not just call Abraham to leave Haran. He also gives him promises associated with his departure. And what's really neat is that the, the promises far outweigh the cost of leaving, at least to Abraham. It's, it's, it's a fivefold promise. Here it is. 
I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's, it's the last one that's the most important for us. It's through the family line of Abraham that Jesus Christ comes. He is the one promised way back, even further than Genesis uh, 12. He's promised in Genesis 3. The one who will crush the head of the serpent, who tempted humankind before sin, before evil entered this world. Jesus Christ is the only one through whom we can be truly blessed in, in the greatest sense of the word. And, and, if we, and, if, and we get that hint, we get that hint through God's last promise to Abraham. Now, the response of Abraham and his, uh, Abraham's call from God and, and the promises associated with it, his response is faith. Although I wonder what he thought as he weighed the decision in his mind. Right? To, to stay in Haran would probably be more comfortable and definitely more familiar. To leave would be uncertain. It would put him out of control. But then there's all these promises that he's got. I mean, Abraham's not really told exactly where he's going. I think that must have been pretty stressful. Like, just tell me where. Give me, give me an idea. Where exactly am I going, God? You'll see. Well, okay, you, you promised to make me a great nation. My wife is barren. Like, when will Sarah get pregnant? You'll see. Okay. <laughs> he's really trusting God, isn't he? Because he's giving, he's giving up all the details to him. You know, to become a Christian looks a lot like how Abraham answered God's call by faith. When someone becomes a Christian, they're often overwhelmed with questions of how they should now live. And, and, and it, that's good. Those, that's good, question, that's good. those are good questions to have. But often the answer is, is too simplistic for our liking. The answer is simply not forgetting that we are accepted by God's grace, and that we're loved more deeply by him than we can ever fathom, even though we are more sinful than we ever realized. That's, that's how we live, with that reality. The rest, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up as we go. Right? It's living in that reality, and it's not falling back into the false belief that it's our good works or efforts that matter most to God. If it was by our good works and efforts that mattered most, we would never measure up. Praise the Lord, it's by his grace. Abraham and his family had left, had left their, their, their homeland, 
they were, they, they were, they were worshiping other gods, and now they are worshiping the Lord. But, you know, there was, nothing, there was nothing before in Abraham and his family that caused God to call him. Right? It's not like he was the only one worshiping God, the Lord. He wasn't. In fact, at the end of the book of Joshua, we see that we, we see it's confirmed that, in fact, he was with his family worshiping the gods uh, on the other side of the river. Right? That means, you know, away from the promised land. Just like Abraham, just like us who are saved by grace, Abraham's call was by grace. It was undeserved. It was unmerited. Abraham left Haran with his wife, his nephew Lot. Right? This is, this is the... the the, the one whose, whose father had died. You remember one of Abraham's brothers died? Well, this is, this is the child, Lot. But, you know, they're also doing pretty well because they left with all their possessions and all the people they acquired, their servants. But notice what faith looks like. Obedience. God said, go. Abraham said, Okay. We, we can often think of faith in a mystical sense and, and something that can't be defined. But true faith is, is when we believe God's word, God's promises to us, and obey. It's that simple. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul's call to salvation in Romans 10, verse 9. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right, that, that's very tangible, isn't it? Confessing is, is professing your allegiance to, to, in this case, Jesus as your Lord, as your King, your God. And believing in your heart is truly trusting in his saving work for you on the cross where he died. But three days later, later rose again, proving exactly who he said he was. God promises to save those who give their imperfect lives, their lives to Jesus, believing who he is and what he did for us. That is God's promise to all who believe. Abraham is, is, he's like another Adam in a sense. Adam was the father of all humanity, right, in the Bible. Abraham is the father of all who would demonstrate the type of faith that he had in God's promises. He trusted God by obeying his call. We're going to see that the faith Abraham demonstrates is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It, it, is, it is flawed and forgetful. But that gives us hope, too, because ours, our faith is no different. When Abraham arrives in Canaan, 
he begins to pass through the land and, and the Lord appears to him and reiterates the promise. He says this in, in Genesis 12, verse 7. He says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Right, Abraham, again, travels through Canaan, builds another altar at another site for the Lord, to the Lord. He's, he's in essence, claiming that the Lord has, is, is his God. And he's claiming the land for the Lord. It's possessed by the Canaanites at this point in time. But this idea of Abraham building these altars, this is big. Again, it's showing us that Abraham is not worshiping these other gods anymore. He is worshiping the Lord. He's only calling on the name of the Lord now. Abraham used, he, again, he used to worship those idols. And we see now he's worshiping the one true God. So we see that godly line being preserved. And it's, again, by God's grace. Just like back with Noah, it was, it was God's grace that came to Noah, build this ark. This will be your deliverance. And now here with Abraham, go, go from this land where they worship these idols, and you're going to become a new nation that worships me. Abraham continues journeying around the land, and he, and he lives as a nomad. He's 75 years old. It's never too late to listen to God and follow him. While he's there in the promised land, famine had broken out. And it became so severe that Abraham goes down to Egypt. Egypt often did better during, during times of drought because the Nile regularly flooded and watered the surrounding soils. So they always fared better. We're not told that God instructed Abraham to go down there, so it looks like it's a, just a decision made on his own understanding. In fact, you've got to wonder, did, did Abraham question God? God, you led me here, and there's a drought going on. And now there's a famine, and now it's a really bad famine. Right? It, it seems like a wise, logical decision from, from our point of view. Just before he enters Egypt, he's, they're traveling down there, his wife by his side, and he looks over at her and says, boy, you're beautiful. Wouldn't you like your husband did that? You're just traveling along, he just kind of turns over, boy, you're beautiful. <laughs> but he's got something else in mind here, because <laughs> he says, in fact, you're so beautiful that when we get down there, I'm pretty sure they're going to kill me to take you. He, he's, 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 fe he's fearful of what's going to happen when he plays out this scenario in his mind. Let, let me just read it to you. It's, it's only a few verses, verses 11 through 13 in, in Genesis 12. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a beautiful woman in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, you are my sister that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. 
Right, this, this scenario actually becomes a reality because this actually happens. Sarah is taken into Pharaoh's home as part of his, his harem. Abram said to his wife that it was, look, do this, Sarah, for, for your sake. That's why you should go along with this plan. I don't know if Abraham really believed that, but it wasn't true. It wasn't for her sake. Abraham was only thinking about Abraham. Self-preservation. That is the mode we go into when things go south. And do you, do you see what Abraham is being driven by here? Why he's making these decisions? It's, it's not faith. It's fear. Fear of the famine. Fear of being killed because of his beautiful wife. Fear of trusting the Lord when things get difficult. We don't read that when, when famine breaks out and it gets bad that he calls upon the name of the Lord. We don't read that. When he gets there and he's all excited, he does that. But when things go south, he doesn't. I don't know about you, but when, when things get out of control and beyond my resources, I get like that. I get afraid. I doubt God, and, it, and it's difficult for me to trust him, and I tend to go my own way. I tend to operate on my own understanding. Do you do that too? It's okay if you do. You're in good company. Not necessarily with me, but with Abraham and many others in the Bible that's, who struggled with this. Fear is the enemy of faith. It causes us to doubt God and to follow our own ways. Abraham gets rich, actually, because Pharaoh gives him all sorts of wealth. Hey, this is your sister? Wow, that's great. I'm going to treat you well, brother-in-law. But with this wealth he accumulated, he had forsaken, or at the very least lost sight of the promises of God that far outweighed the wealth that he received. But here's the thing. God is faithful even when we're not. Even when we mess up. Look at what happens. Let me read you a few more verses. Verses 17 to 19. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. God puts Abraham right back where he needs to be, with Sarah and back in Canaan. And... And with all of the acquired wealth from Egypt as a bonus. This, this just boggles my mind. He doesn't punish him for his mess up. Instead, instead, he blesses him. 
Did he learn a lesson? Yeah, he did. Because it seemed like he lost his wife and the promise of being a great nation through her. Right? He, he deserves God's wrath right here. But instead, he receives God's favor. It's the same with us. It's the same with us. God does not expect perfection from us. We often think he does, but, but, he, but he knows we mess up. Not just once, but time and time again. And that's why he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Much like Abraham, Jesus left his father's home where, where, there, was, where there was peace and chose to become a foreigner who had no home, no place to lay his head in order to give us the home we could never have in his father's house. Jesus was forsaken by God the Father so we might never be forsaken by God. Jesus received God's wrath so we could receive God's favor. It would be through these mess-ups that, that Abraham would continually see God's love for him. He would continue to live imperfectly by faith in God and his promises, knowing that nothing could separate him from God's love for him. God would continue to bless him. You have that same promise through Jesus Christ. Have you answered his call? Are you willing to trust him by faith? If you haven't, I, I pray you will, just like Abraham. Let us pray. Father, thank you that we can see your, your character. You're not a God who's different in the Old Testament than you are in the New. You're the God of grace throughout. And thank you that we, we saw that through, through Noah, and thank you now we see this through Abraham. Father, this was someone who was not deserving of, of your call and your promises. He wasn't on the right track. And when he got on the right track, he, he went off the track. Yet, because you called him and because he believed, you continually blessed him like he didn't deserve. Thank you for that beautiful picture of the gospel. That even though we are more sinful than we ever thought possible, we are more loved than we could ever dream. Help us to live in that reality. Even though it will be imperfect. So that we might grow closer to the one who loves us more than anyone. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.